0: morning, church. How are you feeling today? Yes, it is so good to be here with you and worship with you. If you are online, whether you're in a hospital room, on the road, in your living room, I want you to know that through the Holy Spirit, we are connected, and we are so glad that you have joined us today. We are continuing our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, and today we're going to specifically look how Jesus came to flip the script on our very identity. Like, I hope you have enjoyed being in the Sermon on the Mount, because in these tiny few chapters of chapters 5, 6, and 7, there is a deconstruction happening in the world, specifically of how we assign value to other people, how we understand this idea of being blessed by God, and deconstructing this idea of how we even assign value to ourselves. I've met a number of people, but there's not been a time that I've ever met someone and had a talk about who they are, and they've known exactly who they are in their moment. Like we're all under construction, right? That's kind of what today is going to be about. We're going to pop the hood, we're going to see what's happening underneath the hood, and see if God can reveal something to us about our identity that maybe we didn't know before. But before we dive beneath the surface, let's go to God in prayer. Good morning, God. We just thank you so much uh, that you are the author of our identity. We acknowledge your presence in this place. We thank you for the people that have gathered either on site or online to hear something new from you today. And so God, we ask that boldly, that you reveal something new to us about your character and about your identity and about your kingdom, about your love and about your sovereignty so that in that process of us knowing you better, that we can also know who you have called us to be. God, we thank you that you equip each and every one of us for a purpose with a purpose. And so, God, as we walk away from today, I just pray that each of us can walk a little bit more confidently into what you have called us to do. We love you, and we thank you. Amen. Okay, we're going to start off with the question. You only have 13 seconds to answer the question. So you can either write your answer on your notes, you can type your answer in your app on your phone, or from my amazing thinkers in the room, you can just ponder this question— you only have 13 seconds. The question is, I'll give it to you first. The question is, I want you to ask yourself, who am I? So who are you? And if you're like me and you have, you have kind of trouble trying to figure out the answer to this question, here's another question to help you. What is your favorite quality about yourself? You have 13 seconds. Go. Go. Who are you? Or what is a quality that you really like about yourself? And your time is up. All right. And whatever you've thought about or whatever you have written down, if what you have written down involves a role that you have in your family, scratch it off. If anything that you have written down involves a role that you may have on a sports team or professionally in your work world, mark it off. For people who are vain like me, if anything that you have has to do with your outward appearance or your talents or your gifts or your anything, mark that off too. And I'll share with you, I am vain. Like when when I was asked this question a few weeks ago, I'm like, my hair, my hair is my favorite thing about me. That doesn't help us be a better person. Right? So who are you? Be bold. Raise your hand if you have anything left on your list. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, raise your hand if you had more things on your list before we did those last two qualifying questions. Yeah, okay, I see some honest people. Thank you for being honest. Okay, I asked that question because the truth is, is when it comes to the question, who am I, you and I can get wrapped up in a lot of stuff. We can get wrapped up in the outside. We can get wrapped up in appearances. We can get wrapped up in titles. We can get even wrapped up in the outcome of what we are aiming for. And you and I can get so outcome-focused, so appearance-focused, so outside-of-us-focused that we neglect to pay attention to who we are actually becoming on the inside. Now, the roles that we have in our family and the roles that we have professional, those are all great things, but they are all entry points to what makes you you. What is beneath the surface of all of your titles, all of your opinions, maybe even your political party, what is beneath the surface? Because the thing is, who we are on the inside is going to dictate what type of kingdom that we live in. And are we gonna live in the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of self, or are we going to live in the kingdom of God? And listen, I think, I think even places in scripture, we can find lots of proof of what we should have, right? So the outcome, what we should have. One of my favorite stories is in the Gospel of John. And Jesus is making all of these claims about who God is and who we are. But in verse 10 of chapter 10 of John, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So abundant life, that is the what that you and I should have. So how do we get the what, right? How do we get abundant life? That's what the Sermon on the Mount does for us. The Sermon on the Mount gives us crystal clear clarity on what it looks like for us to function effectively in the kingdom of God. It gives us further clarity on who God is and why Jesus came. And it gives us an extended clarity on who Jesus says we are. I think sometimes we don't want to think about this question, who am I? Because we're kind of afraid to confront who we are on the inside. So it's going to be fun. We're actually going to do that together today. We're going to confront what is on the inside. We're going to get rid of all of our titles. We're going to get rid of all of our opinions. We're going to get rid of all the extra stuff, the outcome and the outside and we're going to focus on what we have become on the inside. And it's better news than you think. It really is. But listen, let's, let's make no, no light about the fact that it's easy for us to get focused on the extra things, right? Um, in 2015, um, I, I realized that I was getting winded in a park even when I was pushing my kids on a swing. Like that's how physically out of shape I was. And I realized in that moment, I was like, okay, God has called me into this beautiful family, and I can't even keep my breath and catch my breath just pushing a child on a swing. I was like, surely, surely there is a better way. And so I immediately started thinking of ways how can I push beyond my capacity and be physically available? for the family that God has called me into. And so I started this thing called CrossFit and it is a group fitness environment uh, that teaches you functional movements for everyday living. And I started very hesitant. Even though I knew God was calling me into the family, I needed to be in better shape so I could be here for a longer period of time. I was hesitant, but one of my CrossFit coaches looked at me and he sold it to me like this. He was like, Cheyenne, don't you wanna push a refrigerator off of you at the age of 80? And I got really excited. I was like, absolutely, I want to push a refrigerator off of me at the age of 80. And so even in that moment, the outcome shifted just a little bit from my family to a refrigerator. The shift can happen ever so slightly. But the thing is, I actually didn't get better over time. I got worse over time. And so I thought, okay, if I'm going to push this refrigerator off of me, I just got to get better. And so I'm just going to add some things to me. I decided I needed shoes, not just one pair of shoes, but two pair of shoes. I needed a shoes to run in and a shoes, and shoes to lift in. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe if I get double unders, I'll get that cardio that I'm looking for to be able to push that refrigerator off of me. And so I said, maybe I need another rope. And then I needed knee sleeves to squat in. Then I needed wrist straps to do overhead squats in. And then I needed the right tape to do pull-ups in. And I realized that the goal of me being able to push a refrigerator off of me at the age of 80 just kept getting farther and farther away. But then I paused, which so many of us don't take advantage of. I paused and I realized it's not about the gear. It's not about the outside. It's not about the appearance. It's about what's happening on the inside. When I stopped focusing on the gear and started focusing on my nutrition and on my mindset, I've been able to reach every single physical goal that I have set in the gym for the last five years. Because I too can get caught up in the stuff. But bringing the kingdom of God in the here and now has nothing to do about stuff. It has to do with what is right on the inside. And I think you and I can get this even wrong, even in our faith journey. We think that if we have enough Bibles, enough Bible translations, if we have enough journals, if we have the right pens for our journals, if we have enough devotionals by the right author, and if we have the right highlighters, if we just collect enough spiritual gear, surely we are going to find ourselves accidentally living in the kingdom of God. But the truth is, is it's nothing about the gear. Having the right gear has nothing to do with living in the kingdom of God. You and I have everything that we need. It exists in us. It resides in us. We have everything that we need to experience the kingdom of God in the here and now. But we get so focused on the outcome that we neglect who we're becoming on the inside. This is why the Sermon on the Mount is really important to me is because we can get busy with the what. We can get focused on the how at the expense of paying attention to who we are becoming. I even love how, how the Sermon on the Mount is really broken down, and we can take a look at that, look at that together. Um, but here's kind of how the, the verses, the salt and light sayings that we're really going to dive into, this is how they actually function together. So when the Sermon on the Mount kicks off in chapter 5, it's the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes is sharing hope, assigning new value to the least of these and not only the elite. After the salt and light sayings, that's kind of a how-to suggestion guide on how we move what we have heard about the good news that Jesus has given us into practice. But in the middle of that is the salt and light sayings, which is the first time where Jesus is really addressing our identity, which tells me who we understand that we are Is pivotal in how we're going to bring the kingdom of God to the here and now. The salt and light sayings, you can find them in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And Jesus says, You're the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Your creator has said that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Do you believe that about yourself? We should be good, right? No need for further conversation. But I would venture to guess in this room so many times that there is a huge gap between what Jesus says we are and who we believe we are. There's a huge interruption between what Jesus is trying to make us understand and what we actually are fortifying in our own being, right? And so the question is, if we're going to believe this to the very core of who we are, you and I are going to have to figure out how to flip the script of our identity. And so in your message notes, here's the first thing that we have to do. If it is really difficult for us to understand that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, in your message notes, number one, Interrupt my current script. Interrupt my current script. There's a few ways that we can interrupt the current scripts in our mind. And one is to just know things, right? I know a lot of intelligent people who knowing things is, is just enough for them to be able to digest who God is creating them to be, right? And so let's just look at the, the word salt. Salt actually comes from the Latin word sal, which is also where we get the word salary. So when this was written in that day and time... Salt was important, it was valuable, and it played a significant role in the economic stability of the culture of the time. Salt was currency. It enhanced and added value wherever it was added. You were the salt of the earth. Do you believe it? Sometimes knowing things is just enough for us to understand who God has created us to be. And if you really do believe it, if knowing things has truly interrupted your script, that's great. I want to tell you right now that you have the gift of faith. You have the faith of being able to understand and visit scripture and come out knowing that Jesus has created you to be the salt and the light of the world. And if you have the gift of faith, I'm encouraging right now, do not hide your gift under a basket. God has called you out from underneath your basket to go and make more disciples if you have the gift of faith. So knowing things, if you have that gift, can absolutely interrupt my current script. But for some people, skeptics like me, knowing things doesn't always help me believe who Jesus says I am. And so for you, if you're a skeptic like me, sometimes we have to identify harmful scripts that are already happening in our minds. So I want you to think about the first thoughts that you have when you wake up. I want you to think about maybe a conflict that you're in right now with the relationship. Before you walk into a conversation with that person or walk away from from that person? What is the script that is playing in your mind? Maybe you've got a really difficult boss and every time you go to work you are just on edge. What is the script that is playing over and over in your mind? Maybe you are isolated, you are alone, you have been estranged from your family, maybe you have lost someone, maybe you're in a season of grief, wherever you are. What is the script that is on replay in your mind? Do you need to interrupt it? Here's some of the common things that I hear from people all the time. When we think about the scripts that play over and over in our minds, and I'm gonna read these slow, I hear, I can't do this. I'll never find love. I'm a horrible person. I've made too many mistakes. No one will ever understand my problems. I'm too far gone. Who's going to want me now? I don't belong here. I'm tired, and I don't want to be here anymore. Everything I touch, I mess up. I'm a failure. I'm an idiot. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be anybody. There's something wrong with me. I'm a burden, I'm a disappointment, I'm not worthy, I'm unqualified, I'm unusable in this kingdom of God that everybody keeps talking about. There's nothing special about me. I'll never fill his shoes. I will live in his shadow Forever, And in fact, the list of the harmful and damaging scripts that are on repeat in your mind, that list could actually go on forever. But these few verses are here to remind you that when you experience those self-sabotaging scripts, Jesus is here to remind you that your creator has never and will never see you as any of the self-sabotaging things that you say to yourself. Jesus sees you as a salt of the earth and the light of the world. Interrupt any script that does not align with that. And sometimes, listen, sometimes we have to interrupt the script of the world as well right? Sometimes the world generates a script for us. And we can even see it in this definition of salty. Uh, This is the new age definition of salty. And it is bitterness or anger tinged with a little extra spice, usually a mocking or self-deprecating note of sourness. And so for our younger generation, this is what they're saying is salty. And it's used as, oh, he's salty or she's salty. And guess what? Two different definitions of one word can exist in the same place. I think you and I have got to figure out how to do different, better, and still live in harmony with different ideas. But I think this is a wonderful example of the fact that the world may define salty as this, but Jesus is defining salty as another thing, and you are the Jesus version of this definition. And so many times, if you and I get that line between what the world says and what Jesus says blurred, you and I can accidentally find ourselves believing what the world says about us and rejecting what Jesus says. But I'm pretty sure that you and I can hang our hat on the fact that if Jesus says we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, it is positive, it is usable, and it is good in the kingdom of God. Interrupt the script of the world. And sometimes, sometimes we have to interrupt the script that someone has generated for us. I want to introduce you to Kim Decarell. She is an adaptive CrossFit Games athlete. At the age of five, she was diagnosed with this condition to where she was eventually going to become blind, and she did. In her adult years, she began CrossFit. And when she walked into CrossFit, one of the coaches said, Kim, you can do this. Why couldn't you? And her testimony is so powerful because once she heard the words, you can do this, she literally exclaimed. And she said, that is all I have ever wanted to hear. Hearing that she can do that changed her, right? She said, I've just come so far and it took me until now to be who I was meant to be. And in some way, I am defying the perception. I am defying the script of what a blind person can do. And this is pivotal for me. I live in the darkness and it's so easy to give into it, but I choose to live in the light. I think this should resonate for everyone because there is not a person in this room who is a stranger to darkness. Sometimes darkness is something that you carry in you. It is depression, it is anxiety, it is addiction, it is a chronic illness. Sometimes darkness is something that you encounter. It is a loss of a loved one, a loss of a job, a change in relationship, any life event. Like you're no stranger to darkness. But Jesus is saying that it doesn't matter what darkness you encounter because the light that is the light of the world exists in you and there is not a thing in the world that can overcome the life that has already been put in you. Our job is just to make sure that we have made enough room, we've gotten rid of all of the extra stuff so that the kingdom of God can reside in us. So not only that we can experience the kingdom of God, but others can experience the kingdom of God as well. Interrupt whatever script is not in alignment with you understanding that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We're going to look at five practical ways that we can continue to interrupt the script. And the first one is going to be just claim salt and light as my identity. And we're going to kind of practice that. Um, claim salt and light as my identity, right? Great. We can all say, I am the salt of the earth and I am the light of the world. We can all do that. But does it seep beneath the surface and influence every piece of who we are? Maybe, maybe not. And so let's just think about some of those harmful scripts. It's okay to have those self-sabotaging narratives in your mind. Acknowledge them, but then claim salt and light as your identity. And it sounds something like this, I can't do this wrong. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Of all of the people that God has called to do this one specific thing, God has equipped you to do exactly that because you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I will never find love. Interrupt that script because you are the light of the world. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on your behalf. So the love of the Father has already been distributed to you. And because the love of the Father has been distributed to you, it sets you apart and it makes you enough, no matter what other people may say about you. I'm too far gone. Who would love me now? Wrong. You're the salt of the earth. There is not a place that you can go. There is not a situation that you can be in. There is not a mindset that you can have that is too far for God's sovereignty and love to not be able to reach you. There's not a place that you can go where God is not already there. God's love extends to you no matter where you go. He loves you. He's already found you. I don't belong here. Wrong. You're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. Of all the places that you choose to be at within a faith community with messy, broken, real people who are just trying to figure out what it looks like and getting it wrong every day, when people are trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus, you belong in a faith community of people just trying to figure it out. It's not perfect. It's uncomfortable. But everything can change when you know that you have a place that you belong and you belong in a faith community. I'm tired and I don't want to be here anymore. You are the light of the world. And as long as you are on this side of eternity, you bring value and importance, and you play a significant role in the kingdom of God. I'm a burden. You've got to echo back to the Beatitudes for this, because you're not a burden, you're a blessing. Jesus calls you the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And even when you're in your lowest of lows, he still calls you blessing. Claim salt and light as your identity. And in fact, we're gonna practice that. I'm gonna count to three and I just want you to say, not to me, but to yourself, to the depths of who you are, to your biggest insecurities, to your biggest doubts. I want you to say on the count of three, I am salt, I am light. One, two, three. I am salt and I am light. Yes, you are. The light sayings that we can find in verses 14 through 16 Jesus is saying, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light the lamp and put it under a basket. Church, I'm going to say this with as much love as I can, but some of you are hiding under a basket. Some of you have taken. What God has given you, which is magnificent and amazing and significant in the kingdom of God, and you have placed it under a basket. And I want to invite you out from underneath the basket. It is warm and fun and exciting out here. Come out from underneath your basket. And here's a couple of ways that you can do that. In your message notes, number two, another way to interrupt our script and come out from underneath the basket is find a place to serve. Here's the scripts I already know that are playing in your mind. You're thinking, I'm unqualified. I'm unworthy. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about Jesus. I'm unusable in the kingdom of God. Interrupt that. Serving is where you can experience who God has truly made you to be when you and I can step outside of our agenda and into the purpose that God is calling us into, we can start to dramatically understand our identity in ways that we have never even been able to articulate. Find a place to serve. I love Jesus' ministry so much because even in this idea of serving, Jesus has completely flipped the script on what it's like to serve. And that day and time, that culture, there were people dominating other peoples, just trying to collect power and collect authority so that they can be served. But the Son of Man and the King of Kings who died on a cross for you, came to serve you so that you in turn could serve others and be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I've shared my, my serving story before, but when I first came to this, to this church in, in 2010, I was angry, I was hurt, and I was bitter, and I was in recovery. And I didn't even really want to learn about Jesus. I just came for the fried chicken meal afterwards that was promised to me. And my husband is super talented. Everybody everybody knows Matt, he's amazing. And Matt was asked to serve. And I said, I'm not gonna do that because the role involved teaching children about Jesus and standing up and saying words. And I said, no, I don't even like other people's kids. (laughs) And I don't know how I feel about Jesus. And this is the girl who had to change her minor in college Because the two times I tried to pass speech, I got up, I had my speech prepared, and I looked at the crowd and I walked out. Standing up in front of people and saying words is just too big of an anxiety for me. And so that's what my husband was asking me to do. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And somewhere in between my emphatic no and some friends taking me to a worship conference, I said yes. And the most amazing thing happened when I positioned myself as a servant to other people. My mind began to change about who Jesus is. And when my mind changed about who Jesus is, Jesus was able to change my mind about myself. And can I just say, I think some of you need to change your mind about who you are, what you're worth, the capacity that you have to be a significant factor in the kingdom of God. Some of you need to change your mind about yourself. Here's another way that you can come out of the basket and interrupt any harmful scripts that you may be experiencing, and that is join a small group. And in fact, we're making it really easy for you this this coming week we are kicking off a small group series so you have an opportunity to join a small group in the house in a home or online. Pastor Rick is going to take us through a 6 week small group series where we can just dive a little bit deeper into the sermon on the mount. You do not want to miss this opportunity. You can even you can even start a small group. We would love to come alongside you and be part of that journey with you. And now I know some of you have already cringed about thinking about sitting with other people and talking to people, I get that. I understand that. I was that as well. But I want you just to very quickly look at the structure of how Jesus taught. I mean, even when we see Jesus kicking off the Sermon on the Mount, he sees crowds, but then he went up to the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he started saying words. So even in that model, Jesus is modeling this idea of a small group. And so many times I hear people say, well, I just... I just don't feel faithful enough, or I just don't know God enough to be in a small group. And bro, I'm here to tell you, that's what a small group's for. That's what Jesus' small group was for. If you can look in the Gospels, you will see that the disciples got it wrong more than they got it right. It was messy. They had tons of questions. They misunderstood the identity of who Jesus is. But within that small group, they were were able to unlearn really harmful value systems and reassign the value system of Jesus and then put it in motion once they left that small group. Everything can change when you position yourself to be in a group who is the salt of the earth and light of the world, not so you can exclude others, but so that you can also go to those who are vastly different than you and be the salt of the earth and light of the world to them. Be part of a small group and be creative, right? Like it is our responsibility to try to figure out where we can position ourselves where we are experiencing people who are the light of the world. One of those people for me is my husband, Matt Davis has been the salt of the earth and light of the world ever since I have met him. I wouldn't know Jesus without Matt. I would never have come to church without Matt. He pushes me to be a better person every single day. But he also pushes himself, and he's super strategic about the people that he invites into his life. Um, He's mustache famous, and so this is how he's kind of gotten creative. He works with this small business, but he has this specific lens of whoever he does business with. He wants to make sure that they have a mission that matches his. And so he has found this one company that is called Stash Salt. And Stash Salt was just a firefighter who knew another firefighter whose life had hit a very dark spot And he decided, I just want to be a light for this family. And so he's like, I have facial hair and I know how to make wax. So he started making mustache waxes just to be able to be a light to this family that he knew. And now today, because of his efforts to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, this company is sharing its mission of being the salt of the world and the light of the world from coast to coast, blessing other first responder families. So when we talk about... Walking into our identity, it's not just here inside these church walls. And in fact, I would even push us to really say, if we want to create positive, sustainable change in the world around us, we have to take what we fill up with here and we have to go share it out there. Get creative about who you place in your circle. Because iron sharpens iron. Every single time. Join a small group. Start a small group. Get creative about the people that you place in your lives. And the next thing is, as we're thinking about this idea of being strategic about who we place in our circles, just stay close to the source, right? The source is this word right here. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart because everything that you do flows from it. I think sometimes we don't have, or maybe it's just me, I don't have time for quiet time because I've got to do all of these other things. But when I get busy with everything on the outside, I neglect who God is trying to mold me into on the inside. Guard your quiet time. Guard your time in worship. Guard those relationships where you experience light from other people. That's how you stay close to the source. Worship together, serve together, grow together. That's staying close to the source. I talk to people all the time. They're like, I just feel so far away from God. Bro, God's gonna be with you wherever you are. But what are you doing on the inside to make sure that you have moved enough junk out so that the kingdom of God can exist in you? Stay close to the source. Now listen, I I may not know you, but I do believe that for most of us, it's just time to flip the script on our identity. It's just time to do that. The very existence of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, is a wonderful example of how we are called to flip the script and experience the kingdom of God in the here and now. And one of the biggest ways, the most important ways that we can interrupt the current scripts that are in our mind, in your message notes, the last one is decide Jesus is the author of my identity. Matthew shares this other moment about Jesus when Jesus is, when Jesus is called his disciples. This is in chapter 16, verses 15 through 19. But Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he asks this really general question. He's like, "Who do people, who do people say that I am?" And general answers were given. And then Jesus gets hyper specific and he asks this question, "Who do you say I am?" And Peter's like, you're the Son of God. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And this is so pivotal because as soon as Peter was able to identify who Jesus was, Jesus spoke into the very identity of who he was. And Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on her shall be bound and heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And I am telling you the same thing is true for you as well. You have the keys to the kingdom. You have everything you need for the kingdom of God to exist within you so the kingdom of God can be experienced around you. Whatever you bind and loose here on earth shall be bound and loosed in heaven. Can you believe that Jesus has created you to be the salt and light of the earth? Because if you are listening to any other script that does not align with the fact that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, you are listening to the wrong script interrupt it and listen I know I know what it's like to be ambushed by the scripts that are on repeat in your mind I am 40 years old but when I was adopted in the Philippines I was abandoned in the hospital for five days and when I think about those five days even at 40 I can get really sad and listen, I know the hospital took care of me, that was the hospital's job. But I think parental things, right? I think I think did anybody want to hold me? Did anybody want to feed me? Did anybody look at me the way that I looked at my children when they were born? Did anybody call me a gift? I can get really stuck in that script but I have to stop and I have to interrupt it and I have to decide with bold clarity that I may have been abandoned, but I've never been alone and neither are you. I've got to decide with bold clarity that I may have been given away, but I've never been unwanted and neither of you. I have to decide with bold clarity that I may not have belonged in my family of origin, but I belong in the kingdom of heaven, and so do you. Everything can change when you know that you are worth your salt. And, church, that is all we want for you, is for you to truly understand beneath the surface to the depths of who you are that you are worth your salt. Everything changes when you interrupt the self-sabotaging scripts that are on repeat in your mind and believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And listen, it takes courage to believe what Jesus says about you. But if you can figure out how to do that, you are going to experience the kingdom of God in ways that you cannot even articulate. Even as the kingdom of the world may shatter and come at you from all angles, it doesn't matter what the kingdom of the world does. If you believe that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, because the kingdom of God exists in you, nothing can shake you. So church, I'm gonna ask you one more time. And I want you to say it to the depths of who you are. Who are you? I am salt and I am light. I'm going to ask you again, who are you? I am salt and I am light. Yes, you are. And it is an honor to have a front row seat to what God is doing in your life. And my hope and prayer is that the next time that someone asks you who you are, you will say beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm salt and I'm light. See you in the crossing.